Hi, this is Baruch Lurie, and this is the Baruch Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for checking in with us. I'm here with Ari David, my friend and producer. Always a pleasure. You know, um, we often talk about um, consequences on the show, right? We say that one of the, the defining distinctions between the conservative way of looking at things and the liberal way of looking at things is that conservatives really focus on consequences, Right? They, they ask the question, what's next? Uh, in addition to, will it work? And even in the phrasing of the question, will it work, it presumes that there is going to be some future action and you can evaluate it at the end of the, of the, end of the day, whatever it is. So if we, if we uh, have a bunch of, if we want to make a building, um, we have to ask ourselves, okay, will it be built? Right? Do we have enough men to go up on the rooftops and such like that? Do we have enough bricks and mortar? Do we have nails? Do we have all those things? And, and do we have the permission from the city? There's so many things that need to be put, put together. And then you can ask yourself, is it going to be built? Will it work? Right? If, if I just present it to you, hey, here's a bunch of sand, build the building. You'd say, uh, I think this is not going to work. I don't care. Build it. Find a way. Okay, and, and you'd laugh and say, and you'd just simply walk off of the, the work site. So consequences are, are very critical for us. Um, and yet people routinely do not think of, of consequences, um, nor will they even entertain the notion of what a consequence is. And they develop these policies. And I want to talk about some of the major consequences that have completely fallen by the wayside that are great embarrassments for one thing. But there's one that I want to start off with and, and ask the question, now that we're here, what a terrible consequence it was. And everyone agrees with it. And I'm going to ask you, Ari, if you can think of it. This is a policy that, that liberals loved. Loved. And now, many years later, they hate it. They despise it, along with conservatives, who always despised it. So, to repeat, conservatives always hated the, the policy. Liberals loved it at, at, when they championed it. Hold on. There's, there's only one? <laughs> and now they hate it. No, no, no. Because, no it, there is, for, to my mind, pretty much only one, uh, because other policies, like affirmative action, they still love affirmative action. They still love minimum wage. So, But this is a unique one. Defensive Marriage Act? Nope. Well, that's a good one, though. Do uh, you think liberals like Defensive Marriage Act? No, but they... No, I'm, yeah. but I'm talking about a policy. Not necessarily, by the way, in this nation. I'm saying anywhere in the world. That liberals loved when it first came out, and now they despise it. And they, okay. they forget that they I've had a long day at work. My brain's <laughs> kind of fried, so just what is it? All right. China's one-child policy. Oh, yeah. Good one. They loved it. They thought it was just the best thing since sliced bread. But they bread. still do love it. How, why do they No, no, no. They, 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 now they, no they, they know that it's terrible because they, they, it's different agenda items that are colliding with each other. Because they right? wound up killing off all the girls? That's right. And, and isn't it that horrible? sexist. Right. And so, so and they're right that, that it is killing off the girls. Uh, and in addition to, well, they don't care about the forced abortions. That, that they never speak about. That what they do speak about is that it's, it's uh, selectively choosing boys over girls 
and that they will not tolerate. Um, and of course, that is bad in and of itself. But that's the only reason why they, they are so uh, hostile to the system. They, they are not hostile to the system because there are forced abortions upon um, these, these people. Um, they're not against the system because it creates a crime, a culture of crime because there are too many men or that it, incre it increases the, the average age of the citizen uh, or that it's actually just a form of government control of the population. That's really what it's all about. Uh, that it's all a big charade to say that it's, it's for controlling uh, the ever-growing population. No, it was about control, period, end of story, full stop. The communists uh, wanted to do this back in the 80s, and, and they said this is to help stem the overpopulation that we in China have with our citizenry. And everyone loved it. They loved it, and they said we should do that in America too. Do you know that? Everyone people wanted, like Paul Ehrlich. Yeah, they loved, loved it. They it. said it was it was responsible, uh, a responsible policy. It never dawned on them that it would have these crazy consequences. Now, some thirty plus years later, now they're saying how horrific this is, and they want to change this, and they but they they never own up to the fact that they were once very much for this. So, if if you ever want to ask yourself, you know, an example of a policy that has gone horribly wrong, then the one-child policy is such a great example. Yeah, I just thought of another one. Yeah. Slavery. Yeah. Good Liberals example. love that because, remember, it, the John C. Calhoun progressives from the 1800s are the, um, the ancestors of modern liberalism. Their argument was that slavery is good because these people from Africa are just savages who would never be able to take care of themselves. Oh, I see. And only by having this program in place, society-wide, will these people be cared for and sheltered and fed. Sounds a lot like welfare, right? That's right. And they'll, be give, they'll have a job? Right. It's, it, it, uh, it's very interesting. The, you know, the, the, the convenience of, of the selective memory from the Democratic Party, uh, in addition to all that, you know, they're the party that, that had all the Jim Crow laws. They're the ones who really were the ones advancing the KKK and everything else, um, and now they they want to they want to saddle the Republicans with that. At least they acknowledge that because uh, you, you can't you can't challenge the history of it. Uh, all the people that were voting in, in against the Civil Rights Act, at least the vast majority of them from a percentage point of view, were Democrats. And likewise, the ones who were advancing what we now call Jim Crow laws uh, were Democrats. But uh, you know their quick their their quip answer to that is, well those people would be Republicans today. I mean, what a cop-out, right? What a cop I mean, just, we have such a, we, we Republicans have a good history in, you know, nothing's perfect, but we have a really good history. Good. It's stunning. It's stunning. It's stunning. When it comes good. to, when it comes to racism and fighting racism and justice and women's rights and fighting fascism, yeah. we have a very good history. Yeah. You know what else is interesting about that in that same vein? Democrats not only rewrite their history, but they change what side of history they're on constantly to, oh, yeah. to accommodate the political correctness. These days, it's Republicans who support the NRA. Same with in the 1870s. It was Republicans who started the NRA. Why? To keep black people who used to be slaves, who are now under the oppression of the KKK, from being disarmed. Right. 
So we haven't moved an inch. Right. We were right in the 1870s. We're right in the 2010s. In other words, Isn't to, that funny? In other words, to empower them. To empower them. Yes. To keep them armed and protected yeah. and safe so they could, they could protect themselves and not be reliant on others. Right. To... Here, here are another two examples, um, and I, you'll love this, I'm sure, where liberals really championed a cause and they thought it sounded really nice. First one, eugenics. Margaret Sanger, is it? Yeah, Margaret Sanger. She loved that. Amongst so many other people, the eugenics movement was a liberal movement, and the idea was, isn't this great for society? We're going to help people not suffer uh, with uh, debilitating diseases or otherwise. Retardation. Retardation. Yes. And we're going to advance with this progressive society. And we need people who are educated. We need people who are strong and uh, the kind of people that we want. And... Uh, and everyone loved it. The, not everyone. The liberals loved it. Everyone in the Democrat Party right. loved it. That's right. Yeah. They were very progressive about this. And uh, now we look on it with horror. And, of course, the conservatives always looked on this with horror. And I'll tell you why, by the way, we have such a stunning record in a moment. We'll get there. Because there's a reason. It's not coincidence. Uh, but anyway, we, we conservatives looked on it with horror. We said it was wrong then. And we say it would... I mean, it's easy to say that it's wrong now. Now the liberals acknowledge that eugenics is horrible. They like to try to pin it on us. That is, if it somehow it was a conservative movement, that we would, if left alone, we would uh, try to sterilize people and such. That that's somehow a conservative thought process. But ain't so. Here's another one. Um, you, uh, fascism. Fascism, during the time of Mussolini in the 20s, was extremely popular among the progressives and the Democrat Party. Likewise, communism was extremely popular. Um, they were ideologies that were very similar, by the way. They just happened to they manifest themselves slightly differently. But the notion was that they loved the idea of command and control. And they felt that this capitalist concept, this notion of a truly free society, was quaint, but an anachronism. It didn't belong in, to, in today's society. And the liberals, they loved that. That was progressivism. That was uh, bold experimentation, as they said. Um, and you saw that through um, from the beginning of, of the times, even with um, Roosevelt, um, Theodore Roosevelt, who loved talking like this. And it extended on all through the 20th century and didn't stop. Uh, there are a few exceptions, but it basically didn't stop. And do they acknowledge uh, their past love affair with fascism and communism? Did they ever ask themselves, what, what are the consequences of fascism or, cons uh, or communism? Of course not. And, well, there was a period of time after, say, Reagan, where, of course, they abandoned communism, but they're right back at it today. You're right. They so forget so quickly. Right. Well, they, they, they hate Hitler and Mussolini, but, you know, they, they don't mind people who have a strong arm and act, and act fascistically. Who, and they don't bat an eye when, when somebody like Obama says, and I'm not equating him to a fascist, but they don't bat an eye or, or, or wince whatsoever when their own president says, I've got a, a phone and I've got a pen to suggest, of course, that he's going to work if around Congress. If Congress doesn't do what I want if them to do, I'm going to. If Congress doesn't do it, I'm no, going to do no, it. The, and and, yeah. and uh, damn the torpedoes when it comes to um, Congress because, you know, Congress is just a nuisance. And, and you have people like, you know, famous people like Woody Allen and Harry Belafonte and quite a few liberal stream people 
who say that uh, they should just let Obama be dictator and be done with it because he's, you know, because they like what Obama wants to do. They would never, they would be horrified if you were to say the same thing about Bush or Reagan. But when it comes to their man, it's okay. Uh, but they never ask about the consequences of that either. They love the notion of command and control economy, but they never ask themselves what are the consequences of a command and control economy. We see the consequences. We know what they are. It's happened time and time again uh, from, for, throughout all history, and it's shown itself in horrific ways in the 20, 20th century. But they won't own up to that. They will never own up to it. And when it comes to communism, I mean, I, I guess I, my hats have to go off to those liberals who call themselves communists because they acknowledge still that they, that they are communists. But I always want to ask them, how is that working out for you? I mean, how does that work out? And, of course, their answer is always, well, the Russian communism wasn't good communism. wasn't the real communism. They didn't do it right. They didn't do it right. They didn't, you know, finish it, follow it through. Uh, but the answer is always the same that with communism. And that's the problem, or, or any dictatorial regime, is that you're always imposing one vision. And there's no such thing as a society that all shares the same vision. And in order for that vision to, 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 to push through and to succeed, you have to start killing some people, because those, particularly those people who don't agree with you. Because if you do accept them, well then, by golly, as I always say, you're not going to get that vision passed. Where did Nazism go off the rails with these people, though? Uh, my, my personal theory is that once Hitler and, and uh, Stalin got into it, that's when Hitler went out of fashion. You know, it's a, it's a mystery to me where, where they, they, I mean, obviously the notion of seeing the horrific uh, ethnic cleansing that uh, Hitler engaged in, uh, you, you couldn't possibly, I mean, there was fascism uh, and not, and you know, they, they like to make the distinction between fascism and Nazism. I don't see that much of a distinction, but there was fascism in its natural glory, as it were. This is what you believe in. Here are the results of it. It was too stark. Thank God for Eisenhower taking pictures and, and videos, by the way. Uh, it was too stark for them to, to simply say, well, I, I like fascism, and it could have been done the right way. No, here, is, here are the consequences of your uh, brilliant ideology called fascism. This is what it's like. Do you like it, buddy? And, of course, I think that, that, that woke them up. I, I don't think that the liberal establishment ever really uh, rejected um, fascism until the, uh, the, the the concentration camp videos came out. I think before then, there was this wonderment as to whether or not they were doing the, the right thing by fighting. Yeah, but, but Stalin lasted another nine years or eight years until yeah. 1953. and. Even without pictures and video, it's well known he was pretty much doing the same thing. Sure. And and there was no it's, distinction. It's mind-boggling as a level-headed conservative who at certain points of my life didn't fully understand the horrors of liberalism right. and the, 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 you know, uh, the knee-jerk ignorance that they impose on themselves, why that would be okay. Right. Well, how, how, okay, so, so how did they get around this, this notion of, you know, because you're like we said in the very beginning of the podcast, fascism and communism were so similar. The, the, the ideologies are almost identical. Yeah, they're essentially the same thing. For the listener's sake, the difference, as I see it, is one employs 
in finger quotes, private corporations to do some of the industry in crony capitalist uh, uh, collusion with the government. The other is pure government run right. industries. It's not so there's a, a little bit less efficiency in one than the other as well, far as building a car or a, a tractor. Right. Well, telling a, a private organization to, to build what the government wants you to do, you're basically you're working for the government. So th- there's really no distinction. And, and, and it's a purely economic distinction anyway. Um, so why you would latch on to that distinction to say, well, I'm kind of, there's a romantic notion still to communism and, and uh, an evil notion to fascism. Really? That's, that's, your, that, it actually, that's, what, that's yeah. what justifies your distinction. And this is where you could say that you, you love communism, you can embrace communism, but you hate fascism. Uh, I mean, were the bullets somehow different in communism? Were the gas chambers any different? I mean, really, you have to ask. You have to be intellectually honest and just say, "Look, both of them were horrific enterprises. Both of them were command and control uh, government schemes. Uh, both of them sought only one vision for their people, and both of them killed millions." That's any other distinction is is a is a distinction without significance, as we often say in law. So. Why do I want to go with this? Because we were talking before about how people just fail to see the consequences of what they embrace. So they embraced eugenics. They embraced uh, fascism and then communism. And they embraced the one-child policy. They embrace a lot of crazy notions. And then when the, when the consequences of them arrive, um, they either um, pretend they never were part of that or... They tell, they tell you the consequences are not the consequences that you're claiming. Similar to, say, welfare programs today resulting in huge numbers of people of all ethnic backgrounds winding up fatherless. Yeah. And then you have the resulting chaos and destruction afterwards. Or um, how, uh, you know, uh, our schools fall apart because of, uh, you know, union sweetheart deals. And never is it pointed out that the sweetheart deals or the uh, welfare programs ever got us to that point because they never want to keep score. Instead, they just blame the problems on those who oppose them from the beginning. That's right. That's a good point. It's just like just like the the stimulus, for example. Um, it didn't work because we conservatives didn't allow the stimulus to be three trillion instead of let's say one trillion. Um, that's the the Paul uh, what's his name? Uh, the, Paul uh, Ryan line. No, no, the uh, the economist. Oh, uh, Paul Friedman. Uh, Paul Krugman. Paul Krugman. Yeah. That's his argument. Um, here's another example of a consequence, just a, a policy, a program in this case, that went so crazily out of control. Oil for food program. Okay? This is, and this is much more recent, Aye. right? In the early 2000s. Aye. Yeah. We, we were saying, we conservatives were saying, what are you thinking? You're, you're just going to enable this monster called Saddam Hussein, and he's going to exploit this. We don't know how, but we know he's going to exploit it. Well, exploited he did, and it ended up being that it was the biggest uh, uh, scandal in in um, the world history. It is the biggest one ever happened, and where the UN itself was caught up in the scandal and actually enabling Saddam Hussein and profiting from Saddam Hussein and Saddam Hussein profiting from them, everyone was dipping their beak in this process. And it was the the best thing going. And the only people who the were Germans getting food and the were the kids, right, in Iraq. 
the, Germans the people of Iraq were suffering. suffering. The Germans were in on it. The Russians were in on it. And uh, it was really quite offensive. Uh, in fact, that was the reason why they were so adamant about it. I, I remember turning to my wife and I said, something's fishy here. Um, they don't want us to go into Iraq because, because this is when the Russians were really resisting us and the, the Germans too. And they were pounding on the table why we shouldn't go on that. And I said, why are they? I mean, it's one thing to say, we, we, we are, we're concerned. Um, you know, we don't want to always go into the war. Can't we resolve this diplomatically? I get that. I mean, they're, they're wrong and naive for that. But the way they resisted it was so crazy, so, so pounding on the table that it was clear that something was up. Um, and I turned to my wife and said, something is uh, amiss here. I don't know why they're reacting so strongly. Sure enough, we find out. And I said, you'll see when we get into Iraq, it will, there will be papers that they don't want us to find. And they, we found those papers, and it showed very clearly that Russia was on the take. Germany was on the take. Many other countries were on the take. And the United Nations itself was on the take. I mean, it, it was so... It was so palpably stupid. Uh, and, and we were right. We said, this is the inevitable consequence of playing with the devil. You either got to fight the devil, or you, you, or, but you'd never, you never enable him. Well, it also goes to the uh, good old honorable American mindset. Let's just go back to Gulf War I. Why, when we got Saddam Hussein out of uh, Kuwait... Why, after Red Adair put out all the oil fires, didn't we seize all the oil-bearing territory in Iraq and call it a demilitarized uh, zone, international zone of some sort? And we bring in all of our oil experts, put a huge army force there and guard it as if it's a new country, a new carve-out, and say, okay, cartographers, redraw the maps. That's right. not part of Iraq anymore. Right. Saddam Hussein can see in power, here's the north and south fly zones, and this oil territory is now... Yeah, but then not his. You're right. Uh, that would have been a good answer. Uh, however, and it would also have been a very good signal to the other Arab countries as well. To yeah, you can use you can lose zero oil territory too. Right. Iran, Saudi right. Arabia, etc. Right. We, we know how to do it. Uh, the problem is was an optics thing where it was George Bush the father was very concerned that this would be perceived to be a war for oil. Uh, it was know, a war for oil. <laughs> it, it, the blood for oil and all that stuff. But but you get the idea. <laughs> so we, if it we, wasn't war for oil, just a quick point. Yeah. Why not let Saddam Hussein just keep Kuwait? They're just a bunch of annoying oligarchs anyway. Saddam Hussein's at least an, an honest, strong man who wears a right. good uniform. Well, the concern was that he was he was trying to um, uh, you know monopolize the whole entire oil enterprise system, which would have destabilized the entire economic system of the entire world. That was the theory, and 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 they're right. It was it was right. Yeah. Um, now, we said before, it was an important point, that the Republicans, the conservatives, I should say, were always right when it came to the issues of the day, right? We, and I it mean, wasn't a coincidence. And it wasn't a coincidence. And I'm, I want to explore with you, and I, I think Ari knows where I'm going to go with this. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't just like having to be, you know, choosing the right, uh, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl player, the Super Bowl team that always uh, uh, manages to, um, you know, have four victories in the first uh, three Mondays of Monday uh, of May, they're the ones who win. Now, they play football in the fall. Oh, sorry, that yeah, would be October. I mean, sorry, October. <laughs> I meant that. I meant that. <laughs> um, and the reason why is they're less tired. 
you know, you, you'd be right 90% of the time, let's say, or 80% of the time. And you could tout that. You could say, you see, I, I'm, I'm really good at predicting these things. But there really is no rhyme or reason, right? You might as well do the whole thing with the gopher on, on Groundhog. Or no, sorry, the Groundhog on Groundhog Day. <laughs> gopher on Groundhog Day. Stay clear of the sports analysis That's right. for the rest of the show. Well, so the Groundhog, you know, where he casts a shadow and all yeah. that stuff six weeks more. Uh, of course, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but people want to have that. They, they like the correlations. And here, you know, when it comes to what liberals backed, uh, they seem to back almost everything that was wrong. Um, you know, you can say, okay, they, 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 of course they fought. What are you talking about, Barack and Ari? You know, we, we did fight to Hitler. Roosevelt really wanted to go against Hitler. He saw Hitler as, correctly as the enemy and what an evil man he was. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I'm not saying that liberals are always wrong or always have made the wrong decisions. But when it comes to policies, the things that they believe that will be really wonderful, that they have been so often wrong on. And it's hard to imagine how wherever they've ever been right on. And this is one of the things that we, we it's always a challenge, right, to our listeners to say, show me a liberal policy that has worked. Show uh, one where the, the, the conservatives have opposed it. So how is it that the conservatives have always managed to be on the right side of history? We were right on the eugenics thing. We were right saying that, that fascism sucks and is evil. We were right to say that communism was also evil. We were right to say that the one-child policy was going to be a, di- a disaster and also evil. Uh, we were right about slavery. We were right about slavery. Evil. We were right about the oil for food program. All the things that we've been talking about, we were right on. Why? Here's why. Because we had one core set of values that we could always hang our hat on. We always had a sense of direction. We always asked the question, what does God want of us? What would God want? And the answer comes clearly when you ask that question. When you have that, God is, is a mooring. It, it, it ties you to a sense of reality. It, it gives you structure. It, it helps you understand how things should be viewed. It's the anchor to reality and right and wrong. That's right. That's what it is. That is exactly it. And by contrast, liberals believe they are gods. There's a famous liberal, I think his name was Jack Parsons, who was famous for being a devil worshiper. And he would say, uh, this was, I believe, in the 1920s here in L.A., he would say, if thou does as one, one wills, thou shalt be as God is. In right. other words, the, the core value is, and you see this with Obama, a God complex. Right. I'm as I'm as smart as God. I'm as wise as God. I know better. Right. Well, there's nobody better than than you if if there is no God. Right. Then then That's humans right. are the ultimate, as far as we know, unless there's another alien species yeah, out if there. If you can get to the top of the anthill or the dog pile and stand upon that as the conqueror, mm-hmm. well, now you've become a god. Then you are God. That's absolutely right. And and they don't realize that each time that they 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 glom onto a policy that they love so much, whether it's the one child policy or fascism or anything else. Um, they don't realize that um, it, what sounds so good for the moment ends up destroying them. And, uh, and that's, their, that's their burden. They have the burden of history to, to answer to. And maybe that's why, Ari, maybe that's why they want so much to erase history. Because we, might, we just might ask questions. Now, they were famous in the Soviet Union for saying, you never know what's going to happen yesterday. Yeah, that's because right. Because every day the media was rewriting 
That's right. The last five-year plan. Right, or the other expression, very similar, which is in Russia, um, the future is it's it is known. It's the past that always keeps changing. Yes. Um, so very similar concept. Look, you know, when you don't accept, if you don't understand reality, when you do not accept God as part of that reality, you will, in fact, create your own reality. Right? That's, I think it kind of goes without saying. Um, and you fail to see reality, too. That's the irony of it. And, and it's, I mean, it's not ironic to us, but it should be ironic to them. Their quest for um, reality is such that they, they actually don't see reality in the process because they just don't, they refuse to allow one very critical component, and that is God in the whole equation. They take that out. It's, it's like taking out um, building building without any of the mortar that, that connects them together. You can have a building like that. It'll be a very weak building, very weak. But with that mortar to actually put it together to make it stick, it it, uh, it won't work. Well, folks, I, I you know consequences are so critical in this show, and I think we've established uh, how liberals really have to answer to their own history. And uh, God help them. Um, and if and if you're a liberal listener that has embraced so many of these ideologies, you should know better. You may not have had an excuse. In the in the in the twenties or even the teens, when when communism seemed like such a great thing, but now you should know better. You have you owe it to future the future to your kids to study the history and understand that the policies that were adopted back then by your very people, the people who thought like you, ended up in so much ruin, so many hundreds of millions of lives killed. No one thought that that would happen when, when World War II, when World War One started. No one even thought it happened, would happen, by the way, in the Civil War. But history, as we say, is a series of surprises. Folks, this is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Stop.